As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with AMB, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasserman. Ari, I want to talk about football. Can we talk about football? Somebody tweeted at me after our earlier show in the week and said, do you even like football? This asked me, so like I'm going to like enthusiastically be like, yeah, let's break down the game. <laughs> yeah. We're into it. We're, I'm, I'm into it, yeah. I actually am into it, though. I'm so into it. I, I can tell. <laughs> Lay it on a little thicker. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm. 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 He- I love football. I'm here. I love football. I'm here. Come, I'm here I've to come. play for the team. I've come <laughs> to play for the team. Uh, I've been watching some Utah. I've been watching a little bit of Utah because I want to. I, I think we owe it to the people who care about it, and maybe that percentage of people That's is very true. low. Like a little bit of a breakdown on this game and give our picks. I think we'll, we'll talk about the playoff games as well because they're coming up on on Friday night, um, and obviously there's some. You know, potential lingering impact as it pertains to Ohio State. If if Michigan can kind of pull this off and beat Georgia and get to the national title game, and maybe do something there. So we'll we'll talk about that as well. But but let's start with the Rose Bowl. Uh, get that out of the way out of the way first uh, for the Ohio State fans who are listening. I want want to dig into that a little bit. Uh, as the week has gone on here, and again, I'm not in Los Angeles, but I've been following along with what's going on out there, and I see uh, it's raining. Know, it's raining. Yes. I see an Ohio State team that, you know, didn't, didn't have the best day the, the last time it played against Michigan, uh, playing defense against a burly, rugged, big, 
we like the run the football kind of team. Uh, in particular, it's defensive linemen and linebackers did not have a great great day uh, in Ann Arbor the last time this team played. And now out on the practice fields in Los Angeles, they have Cade Stover playing linebacker because they are that shorthanded <laughs> at the position that is maybe the most important going into this game against Utah. So uh, what is your confidence level, I guess, that Ohio State is going to be able to come out and look something better than it looked against Michigan at the defensive line and linebacker position. Can you position. fix soft without Haskell Garrett? Hmm, should I be mean? Haskell Garrett didn't play well. Um, and I don't think really played well all year. Um, he's still a really good player. He just didn't have a good year. Maybe part of that was because he was hurt. But I'm not so sure it makes a major difference one way or the other if okay he's not let me re- <laughs> let me let me rephrase the question can you fix soft you can with roman roman ready <laughs> <laughs> no ads this week <laughs> there was there was one it wasn't for them that's a free one they get that one for yeah, free yeah the uh i mean all i'm gonna say is you want to be ready when the moment strikes <laughs> um right. I, and the moment is the rose bowl uh i do think that you can't fix soft in three weeks. Yeah. Like, I don't know if, like, to me, and any Michigan fan who would be listening to this podcast will call me a homer. I still, on December 29th, as we're recording this, cannot believe that happened. <laughs> I can. Like, the more the more I think about it and think about Ohio State's deficiencies, it's it's not, I guess, that surprising. Yeah. I'm pretty blown away by it. <laughs> I mean, I know Ohio State has deficiencies, but they got, I mean, covering the team for 10 years, I don't know, did Ohio State get its ass kicked like that physically by anybody? I mean, I guess you could make the case maybe Iowa? Or that I mean, they, they definitely had them with the tight ends. They Purdue definitely kicked had, their ass. They had lopsided losses, for sure. Like, both those Iowa yeah. games were lopsided losses. But I don't but recall physically. a game like where they just got like repeatedly punched in the mouth. I think that's a little different. Like, Ohio State was always the team that was like, we're going to put the game away by handing it to Carlos Hyde 19 times in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, watching it happen to them, you know, I guess toughness and athleticism are two different things. So, I, I don't know. And it's like, I think that when you – here's the one thing I will say. When Ohio State has had bad years or has failed to live up to expectations in the past, their MO, at least when it was the Urban Meyer teams, was to go out and rock shit in the bowl game. Mm-hmm. It's like the 2015 team got throat punched and then beat Notre Dame so bad, I felt bad for Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. Well, first, first they beat Michigan. First they beat Michigan yes, in a yes, similar fashion. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so I'm wondering if that Ohio State team is going to show up. Because I do think it's interesting that the spread reacted um, three points with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave coming out. And I understand if you take out two first-round receivers, you change the dynamic. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Utah – I mean, maybe Clark Phillips. Who knows? But it's too bad you're not there to write the Clark Phillips story, by the way. You really missed out. You could have gone to La Habra, talked to – his high school coach is a hell of a quote. You could have done the whole thing. I guess we'll just read it on every other website. Yeah, I was going to say there are um, uh, there are eleven Clark Phillips and eleven Tavion Tam- Tavion Thomas stories out there if you want to read them. Um, but no one's going to cover Jackson Smith the Jigba and the guys are bringing off the bench either way. Um, my impulse 
is to bet Ohio State, but that's always my impulse because they're so good. And, like, I don't know that I like them. I don't know that I think they're tough enough. I don't know that I think they care as much as we have to make people believe that they do. Um, I think that this might be a team that's ready to turn the page to next year. Mm-hmm. And somebody made the comment that watching the game with new faces and younger players makes it feel like you're turning the page. And I can buy that. Yep. Like if you're watching this game because you love Ohio state football and you want to see the young guys and you're starting to think this is the first appearance of my favorite team. As we turn the page from a disaster, I buy that. I like, I can get behind that thought process. I don't know if Ohio state is on that same page. So like when it comes to making a pick, do I think that Ohio state is four and a half points better than Utah? Yeah, I do. I also thought that Ohio State was seven, way more than seven points better than Michigan, and they got their ass kicked. So, like, every single time there is a story that, like, the, the angle or the, the theme of the game, and the theme of the game this, this time is Iowa is a team that's built much like Michigan who's just going to ram it down your throat and out-physical you. Like, every single person is saying that. It Utah. makes me feel like, what did I say? Iowa. Sometimes I feel like I'm having like a mental breakdown, <laughs> like where I say something different than what I'm thinking. Does that happen to you? I mean, you know, Utah and Iowa are very similar. But everybody's saying that Utah is going to just roll over Ohio State physically the way that Michigan did and they're similar, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that everybody is saying that makes me think that's not what's going to happen. Because nobody knows what the hell they're talking about. And like Ohio State is just infinitely more talented than them. And it's the same stupid breakdown that I give every week. And 90% of the time, it's right. Um, But when it's wrong, it looks like the Titanic is sinking. So, like, I don't know if I want to go back to that well right now. I think I'm going to listen to the deficiencies. I'm going to listen to the softness. I'm going to listen to the fact that their best players have opted out. I'm going to listen to the fact that they want to turn the page to next year. And it's not happening in the Rose Bowl. The give-a-shit meter in Utah, you might as well be playing in the Super Bowl. The give-a-shit meter in Ohio State is probably in a three. I don't love Ohio State in this game at all. I, I do not either. I, I think it's it's not very difficult to convince yourself that Ohio State can and will win because, like you said, Ohio State is the more talented team. Even without those four guys playing, Ohio State is still on paper the, the more talented team. Um, I think and Ohio State had a significant underdog with the, the helmets this week too. That's true. Those helmets are killer. Um, the double interlocking use with the rose through them, and everyone's um, like, "Oh my god, those are so." Act like you've been there before. Shut up, dude. They're awesome helmets. Like, yeah, come they're on. Great. Yeah. Like, Ohio State should put a rose on their helmet. I mean, that's badass. They should. It would look really cool if they did that. Yeah. Um, this is Utah's first trip to the Rose Bowl, right? Yes. This is like their uh, Chris Kamrani, who used to be our Utah beat writer and is like more of an enterprise guy now, uh, wrote a. I'm pretty sure he's the one who wrote it after Utah beat Oregon in the Pac 12 championship about like how this is what Utah has been building towards since they joined the conference. I th- believe it was like a decade ago exactly, 2011. And it was like they you joined they this. Care? They joined this conference and it was like, <laughs> we are now in position to go to the Rose Bowl. Like, this is all we want to do is win the Pac 12 and go to the Rose Bowl. And they finally done it. Like, this is, this is like the pinnacle for Utah football. I think everyone's pretty realistic about what the expectations there are and it's to get to this game and have a chance to win it so like they are going to play this game like they don't have another game coming ever again um and and if ohio state does not play that way i don't think anybody would be shocked by that but i'm not so sure that ohio state even has to play that way to win the game because they are that talented um and i do think they do some things that utah has not seen a ton of this year 
Uh, it's kind of funny. Like I think like I speed like, and athleticism. Yeah, I feel like the, the <laughs> people might think of the Pac-12 as maybe kind of a finesse league, and I don't think that's true. Like I think like Utah and Oregon State, um, UCLA, like these are pretty physical teams. Utah also played BYU, um, so I, I think. You know they've played good teams with with pretty good offenses actually statistically, but but not really a team that kind of does it the way that Ohio State does it. And they're certainly more of a finesse factor with Ohio State if they're going to throw the ball fifty times like they've done in, in, in most games this year. But I don't really know if Utah is unless it just gets after C.J. Stroud's asshole day, which I guess is possible. I'm not so sure that Utah is built to stop that. Um, so if like. If they came out and just threw it all over the yard on them, I, I wouldn't be shocked by that. I think maybe that that could even potentially be be likely. Um, I, I'm very curious to see kind of which team strikes first in terms of like making it their style of game because I think game state is very important to both of these teams. I don't think Utah is built to come from behind, and I don't think Ohio State has looked comfortable all year in tight games, um, or and especially like physical tight games where you're gonna have to go blow for blow for teams with teams. Um, but if Ohio State like gets the ball twice and scores in its first two possessions and it's like fourteen nothing or fourteen three, like I think the game's over, and and Ohio State is certainly capable of doing that with with this offense. I think even with without Garrett Wilson and without Chris Olave. Um, but but the one thing I did find myself wondering, Ari, as I was like watching a little bit of Utah earlier today and looking at some numbers on stuff and just like thinking about where some guys are health wise for Ohio State and some of these moving parts, like arrested potentially, you know, healthier Trevion Henderson with an offensive line that's moving Thayer Munford back out to left tackle is going to start Matthew Jones at guard. I don't think we'll be moving guys in and out like they've done all year. We'll seemingly have guys more in their natural position. Like, could this – and especially given that those two receivers are out, like, could this be a game where Ohio State on offense kind of – matches what we think Utah might try to do to Ohio State's defense, and that is to like really lean on that run game and kind of let Trevion Henderson loose in a way that he hasn't been let loose in like a month and a half. I don't want to change the subject, but is Ohio State going to have the best quarterback, the best running back, and the best receiver in college football next year? Uh, Bryce Young's back. Yeah. B. John Robinson's back. I guess not. Jordan Addison's back. <laughs> he was Well, the I mean, they, they're in the conversation for all three of those, though. 100%. All this is doing is making me wonder how they lost to Michigan again. They had the flu. They'll tell you all about it. They had the flu. <laughs> I had a really bad <laughs> nose uh, running incident last week, so I still shut up for work. Yeah, no, I mean, I, like, honestly, Bill, if the idea here is to convince people or convince me that Ohio State could win and win easily, I think that that would be an easy thing for you to do. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I just don't know if I see it happening. I can, I can certainly see Ohio State putting up a boatload of points in this game. I actually don't think. I think Utah's got a good defense. I think it's got a defense that plays hard. I don't know if it's a great defense. Um, but on the other side of that, like I don't think Ohio State's defense is like the least bit built or prepared to stop what Utah's bringing to the, <laughs> bringing to the table. Yeah. Um. Especially because JT Barrett's their quarterback. Cameron Rising is, uh, yeah, he's got a little bit of JT to him. He's not. Um, he was a he was a top three hundred recruit. Started his career out of Texas, transferred, 
Utah's got a lot of transfers. They have Cameron Rising, a quarterback from Texas. They have Tavion Thomas, who's a Cincinnati at tailback. They have uh, TJ Pledger, who was at Oklahoma. Is that right? Um, Didn't we write a story about him? Pledger? When we were in Dallas after the 14 National Championship game? or th- That's way too long ago, I guess. That was now. too long but ago. Why is his name familiar? I think I wrote a recruiting story about him at one point. Yeah, and I think he might have been on Oklahoma's roster when Oklahoma beat Ohio State in 2017. Um, oh. Well, and then Tavion, Tavion Thomas was obviously recruited by Ohio State. So there's a lot of transfers there. But Cameron no, Rising. I, I wrote about this kid. T.J. Pletcher, an Oklahoma commit and one-time Ohio State target, confused by Bob Stoops' retirement. I wrote this story. Oh, I don't nice. know why, but it was January 11th uh, or January or June 7th, 2017 at Cleveland.com. Interesting. Yeah, he was like a big time back, right? Coming out of high school. Oh, this was when we were doing that thing we were trying to do. Uh, oh, like the national thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. yeah, that didn't really take. Um, but yeah, they have they have those two, Pledger and Thomas, and they have a, a third back whose name escapes me at the moment. They use all three, but Thomas is kind of the workhorse. But anyway, back to Cameron Rising. Um, they run him like Ohio State ran JT Barrett in 2017, like zone runs, quarterback counter. They'll use QB sneaks. Like, he's very much a part of the rushing attack. I don't think he terrifies you as a passer. He can kind of, like, make the throws that are schemed open um, and I think can be aggressive to a fault sometimes. Uh, but they've not seen – I don't think they've seen a rushing – quarterback rushing attack quite like this this year. Like, Cameron Rising – I was talking with Doug Lee Maurice earlier today. Cameron Rising is, like, what Sean Clifford would be if Sean Clifford had other good players around him on offense. Um, or namely in the offensive line and that running back, but he doesn't. Um but I think he's a pretty good player who will give Ohio State problems. And then, like, Utah plays with three tight ends a lot more than anybody else in the country. They play with two tight ends as much as anybody else in the country, multiple tight ends, you know, two or three almost all the time. Um, and the idea of, like, Kate Stover switching over to linebacker, Steel Chambers still trying to figure things out, like Cody Simon's not going to play. I don't know how much Taraja Mitchell can play. Do you put Court Williams down there? Maybe you do, and that could be interesting. But like getting in those big personnel groupings that Utah's going to be in and then trying to run the ball the way they run the ball, then also throwing to those guys to do quite a bit. It's just like it just seems to me it's all adding up to a pretty bad day for Ohio State's defense. Yeah. And it's kind of like the same thing, too, of just like all year, right? Ohio State's offense is going to score a lot of points. I'm not sure about whether the defense is up to the challenge. So it's just like – yeah. Yeah, I think I mean, the thing that's been the entire theme the entire year. Yeah, I mean, but I but I sense. think yeah, but, and like the only time, I think the only time they went into a game where it was like, oh, this this maybe is a good game or a good team, and then it, it it didn't go that way for Ohio State was the Michigan State game because, and I guess maybe the Purdue game to a lesser extent because the offense just got the ball and scored every time it had it, and it's like when well when that happens, you can play pretty confident on defense, but if like. If I'm Ohio State, first of all, if I'm Ohio State and I win that coin toss, I'm taking the goddamn ball <laughs> because I'm trying to score first in that yeah. game against Utah. But like, if Ohio State doesn't score the first time it has the ball and Utah does, and then like I don't know, maybe Ohio State settles for a field goal and it's like seven three with four minutes left in the first quarter. Like, I don't know if that's a position I want to be in if I'm Ohio State. I think Ohio State needs to be the team that that hits first. I mean, the over runner is um, like sixty four, isn't it? Like, I don't know what kind of game you're expecting. If Ohio State wins, I am expecting like 48, 40, 21. Like 49, yeah, 21, 49, 24, something like that. If Utah wins, I'm expecting like 31, 24, or something like that. Like a touchdown game that Ohio State just can't get that extra score that it needs, which is like, which was the Oregon game and was the Michigan game. 
Yeah. The uh, I just had it up here. Did I close it out? I think I closed it out. I had the spread. The spread was uh, four and a half, and the over under. I don't know because I closed it fell the two point. It's sixty five. I think sixty five. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We had to do uh, bowl picks. Some of us did. Did you do them for the staff bowl picks beginning of the year or beginning of the month? They sent out like a form for all of us to fill out. I believe um, so. Yeah, I'm 15 and four. By the way, I can't remember uh, wh- what my picks were or where I would go to look up that. Um, but when I picked that, and it was the very beginning of December, I picked Utah. So like that's out there with me on the record picking Utah, and I'm fine with that. Like I'm I'm perfectly okay sticking with that because I. I feel pretty confident in what I'm going to get from Utah. Like they're going to show up. Um, and even if I have like, you know, a reasonable amount of confidence that Ohio state will, will be ready for the game. It's not a hundred percent. They're missing four really important players, two of their, you know, or three, probably of their best five or so players, five or six players. Um, they're not built to stop what Utah does best. Utah's been playing well for a long time. There's there's some momentum there, even though both teams have been off for a while. And I do think that Ohio State has, you know, at least one of its eyes turned toward next year, if not one and a half or both of them. So I'm just not I'm just not super confident that that adds up to Ohio State winning. So um, I'm taking Utah. If Ohio State wins a football game against anybody, I'm never shocked. No, no, I'm not shocked. Yeah, not at yeah. all. So what I'm saying is, is that we don't pick against Ohio State very often in this podcast because it's hard to envision that they would lose, but I think this is an appropriate time to balance the scale a little bit. I don't, I mean, I've been covering Ohio state for, this is my eighth season. I'm sure I can count on one hand, the times I've picked against them. Um, and I think maybe all the times I have previously, I've been wrong. The only one I can remember for sure is Alabama in 2014. Yeah. Same. Um, I can't, I, I think I picked them to lose Alabama last year. Right, I think I did. I don't know. I hope, in hindsight, I hope I did. Um, but yeah, just I mean, this does this actually, like you said, I'm not. I'm never shocked when Ohio State is wins. I'm not going to be shocked if they win this game. I also feel like you know, in terms of picking a loss in a game that's not a playoff game, this doesn't feel like that much of a stretch to me, given given everything going on. Going you know, I think about all the great memories of Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. You know, the '97 one where they. Came back to beat Arizona State and David Boston dancing in the end zone. Um, some of the Devere Posey catches in the the '09 game. Um, Urban Meyer's last game at Ohio State. Like, there's a lot of Rose Bowl memory. Like, do you think that this game even has the potential to have a memory like that or a moment like that, or do you think we're so far gone with what the system is now and what 
you know, what the season has turned into for Ohio State where it's like you can't even like is there a potential here for anything special to happen? I think there is potential for like one of or possibly even both, like CJ Stroud or Trevion Henderson to have a monster game. That is like when we think back on the end of their careers, we think like, man, what like when did it all come together for that guy? It was the Rose Bowl against Utah. What do you think is the greatest moment in Ohio State Rose Bowl history? Oh, you're, I don't even know. I mean, because I know what it is. The greatest moment in Ohio State Rose Bowl history? Yeah, it was Tate Martell talking shit to Justin Fields at Media Day two years ago. Or three years ago. I mean, that was pretty great. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like, I did I did that thing. I did that thing during, like, the f- early months of the pandemic when we were scrambling for ideas to write about, to, which is, like, the to watch. Yeah. 50, 50 greatest touchdowns in Ohio State history. And um, the David Boston touchdown against Arizona State was on there. So that's uh, – maybe there was something. Yeah, because the, the way he walked into the into the stadium and that touchdown has a lot to do with it, too. Yeah. And Arizona State would have won the national championship that year if they would have won because that's the way the system worked at that time. Kind of crazy. I think about that sometimes and how. I mean, did Steve Hellwagon not write a 19,000 word story highlighting every single occurrence in the history of the Rose Bowl on his website this week? I'm sure he did. I'm pulling out my story now. Yeah, I bet bet he did. I'm pulling out my story now. I'm just going to control search Rose Bowl. Uh, Archie Griffin. Had a 45-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter to ice a Rose Bowl win against USC in 1974. Um, David Boston from Joe Germain. Uh, yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. I mean, Terrell Pryor had a big Rose Bowl in 2010. Yeah. Um, but Urban Meyer's last game, does that matter, you think? Do you think people was- remember that? Yeah, probably not. Like I don't I don't know how much of that like that is a moment stuck in people's mind. That was such a weird game. Like Yeah, it was a backdoor cover that it most was people back- have still not financially recovered from. Yeah, it was a backdoor cover. I think people were just like ready for that year to be over. <laughs> um I don't know. I I my my gut tells me that that is not uh a moment. You think back of Urban Meyer, people don't remember that. Yeah, there's there's things that supersede that. And I'm talking about good things, not not the bad things. Yeah. He got one a title. Never lost to Michigan. Um, I don't, I'm not sure that that win does a whole lot to resonate with people. Yeah. Um, okay. What's your pick? Oh, let me give my score. I'm gonna say okay. uh, I'm gonna say Utah wins uh, 35-28. I was gonna say 38-31. Utah. Yeah. We're both on Utah. All right. Well, congratulations, Ohio State fans. Your team's gonna go out with a win. <laughs> Because we I mean, both picked Utah. <laughs> I don't think Ohio State deserves our pick. I think that's totally fair. I think that's like, totally fair. Wait a minute. And I said, I said too before, like, one of the biggest mistakes I've made on this podcast is just saying, Ohio State's really good, they'll figure it out, and I'm going to try my best to not do that anymore. And it's, if, like, it's so easy to fall into that trap. Oh, Ohio State's got C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Their offensive line is going to be recalibrated, and they're all really good still. You know, Utah's not very explosive. They're the 32nd best team talent wise in the country, Ohio state's going to be rolling out a bunch of hungry young. Like, I mean, you can, you can totally get there. I'm just not going to just default to that anymore. It's not fair to the listeners. It's not fair to us. I'm, I'm mostly, yeah, I, I think that's right. I, I'm curious to see whether or not Ohio state, like has a plan coming into this. Like it, it felt like 
they're they're playing against a, a a team in Utah that has like two really good defensive players and Devin Lloyd and, and Mika Tafua and some other guys too. And Ohio State's played games previously where like it had what I thought were like specific game plans to try to scheme against you know defensive stars, and then for some reason against Michigan they didn't seem to have that. I think they would need that against Utah. I'm, I'm curious if they put kind of that much thought into it, or they just kind of like show up and do what they normally do, even though they don't have the guys that they normally have, and just kind of go through the motions and try to win a game based off talent alone. And I think if they try to do that, they're going to get smacked in the face. Um, so I don't know. I think and that it's hard. the number one thing that would resonate with me here, Bill, is how much this means to Utah. I think that's the overwhelming thing, right? Yeah. That's why I just – I will say – because of that, if Ohio State like kicked Utah's ass, I'd be pretty impressed. And then it would mean nothing. Um, like in the grand scheme, it would mean nothing. Yeah. Other than you know ending your season the right way, and I think you feel good about that. I don't. I don't think it does anything in terms of like. I guess you get another Rose Bowl uh, trophy in the atrium at the Woody. There are worse things in the world than like going out to California and playing well if you're a program that wants to recruit California. Yeah. It is funny to me, and like if I were on the beat, I would write this story. I don't know what people wrote about Clark Phillips, but the winding road of Clark Phillips' life landed him at the same place at the right time, at the same time. And I find that stuff to be interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like it doesn't matter that he didn't go to Ohio State or what happened then or all the crap that are revisiting history, but it's just like everybody gave him shit when he made his decision, and it's just like, you know what, two years later, he's right here. He is starting a cornerback in the Rose Bowl. In the Rose Bowl, yeah. <laughs> Against the team that, yeah. Yeah. So, and you he know. got a he and he's got a good, right? Yeah. He's really he good, con- right? Yeah, he's their best corner. He got a conference championship ring. I guess he would have got one of those last year at Ohio State. Um, he was a 2020 guy, right? Because he, he also did something at a program that's been building towards something too, which I think matters. And I think might have been part of his decision, right? Like he wanted to go to a place that, yeah. And they're just like, we, we get spoiled with Ohio State where we only view success as national championships. But, like, if you go to Utah and want to build something and go win a Rose Bowl and beat Ohio State on the way, I think that's probably in line with the vision, right? I think a, a Utah team that wins the Pac-12 and beats Ohio State in the Rose Bowl is the kind of team that gets remembered forever. Um, yeah. And if Ohio State beats Utah... We forgot about them on January 2nd. Like, when's, that, when's the depth chart story going up, by the way? <laughs> uh, like January 3rd, maybe. I just, I've run that thing right now. Depends on where you are in your annual goal for 2019. <laughs> or 2021, <laughs> sorry. God. I'm still in 2019, everyone. Yeah. If we were 2019, Ohio State. I did have, you know, on game. Instagram, they have that memory thing that comes up. Mm-hmm. Or like when you're doing a story like two years ago today, and then it was just my post from the from the. Festival. And it's sad, but that was the last game I've covered. Really? Can you believe oh, that? I guess so. Yeah. So when I finally get to go to the playoff, it'll be a long time coming. Let me know if they have a plaque in there to commemorate my time spent in the bathroom at Jerry World. I don't know if they had to remodel the bathroom after that thing, guys. <laughs> guy guy got food poisoning at Denny's, which is the funniest thing in the world because it's like, would you have pancakes? I don't even know yeah. how you, like, what do you put in your body that could be food poisonous from pancake batter isn't food poison come from like undercooked meat and shit like i think i think i might have i think i might have had like bad breakfast sausage okay (laughs) (laughs) biggest moment in ohio state history and landis heard it from the from the press box bathroom everyone 
Listen, it was on the radio. I got the gist. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever go back and watch the game and be like, I didn't see any of this? Yes. I went back and and rewatched the game like shortly after that. And like, yeah, I missed some pretty important things. (laughs) The good news about that game was that it was a complete blowout. So like, it was like nothing that you couldn't figure out in the stories that you wrote. I was, I was up off the toilet and back in my press box seat in time to hear the crowd chanting Zeke Elliott's name as he plunged into the end zone. Okay. I got that. I got that. That at least. But yeah. Don't uh, don't go to Lent, Denny's before. Th- it Doug and I were sitting next to each other, and we were just like, "Where the hell is Bill?" I He's think been gone for like thirty-eight minutes. And like I was already halfway through my Cardale Jones column. I yeah, I spent part of that time walking around the stadium, going to different uh, like first aid stations, asking like, "Do you have any Pepto Bismol? <laughs> do, do you have Do you have Imodium? Do you have anything I can take right now <laughs> so I can stop <laughs> going to the bathroom?" <laughs> like, All right, guys. Uh, sorry about that. Like. Uh, <laughs> That's said, that's how that's Bill's national title game experience though. Yeah. They said And no. then the best week of my life right after. Oh yeah, a road trip. That was no, so much fun. No gastrointestinal intestinal issues there. Ate like a king for a week. It was great. As we yeah. Well, I did, you didn't. Yeah. It's a good time. I had a date in Vegas to get skinny for. Yeah, I feel that. Sorry. Right. Yeah. The Pope the Pope boy was great though. All right. So we're both on Utah by about a touchdown. Um feel free to throw that back in our face when Ohio State wins. Uh, let's talk a little bit, bit about the playoff. Let's get the Alabama-Cincinnati game out of the way first because you in our last episode felt or seemed pretty confident that Alabama was just going to blow Cincinnati's doors off. Do you it's on brand. It's my brand. Like, I yeah. can't. What no, am I going to do? Like, yeah, you know, my, ta- my, my hands are tied here. If Cincinnati beats Alabama, I will – I don't know. I, I, pick I have Alabama to get a new well. profession. Yeah, I picked Alabama too. Just like quick – like Alabama like kind of does one thing. And it's like Bryce Young's going to throw the ball to Jameson Williams, and Georgia didn't have the guys to stop that and cover that. Do you give Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner, Gardner any chance of doing that better than Georgia did? I want to write about Kobe Bryant so bad, dude. Were you at the Glenville? Yes. When, when we went when up to Teddy Glenville pointed, and we when saw Teddy him? To him? Yeah. He looked like an eight-year-old boy. Teddy knew, though. He pointed to him. He said, that's the next one. You were there, right? Yes. We were there. We were Do there you remember what he looked like that day? Yeah, because I think Ronnie was there too, wasn't his? Wasn't his dad there? Was that dad, kid is like he won the Thorpe Award. Well, he probably shouldn't have. Sauce Gardner probably should have won the Thorpe Award. Um, but Kobe Bryant, is whatever he was, the fact that he, he has the Thorpe Award, I don't care what what technicality you want. I mean, that kid looked like a five year old boy. He might have been at the time. That was that would have been like two thousand sixteen or seventeen. I I think I think we were there to report on, like, what happened to Glenville because, like, it had really dried up and they hadn't had a Power 5 kid in a long time. But I think and we then, might have even written about him, that he would the type of kid that Trussell might have taken. Yes, and Ted said the same thing. Ted Ginn Sr. said the same thing. And, like, there was and, no way Ohio State would have. He, looked, he honestly looked like he... He looked like a, a child that hadn't eaten in two weeks. He was a very... He was so... He was frail. He was very skinny, yeah. Yeah, fast, like, fast as shit. Like clearly a good athlete, just just small. A really good question, and I think something that you should write about. Are there any other lineage, or, or I mean, uh, Ohio State legacies that there be that are like recruits right now that might not have an Ohio State offer? I don't know. You talking about like, like An- they didn't like take Antoine, Antoine Winfield, Winfield and they didn't take Kobe Bryant, and I wonder like how much does blood have like if you're Wasn't a recruiter. There, uh, wasn't there a kid at one of the Dublin schools a couple years ago that was like Mike Doss's nephew or something like that? Yeah. AJ something? I don't know about nephew. But 
If you're a recruiter at Ohio State, how much do you take blood into account? They do have do uh, Orlando Pace's son as a walk-on on the team. I didn't not know a, that. Not an offensive lineman. He's a, I think he's a linebacker. How much do you take into account, though? I, I take genes, good, good genes into account for sure. Like if you were like, you mean Antoine specifically like, like Ohio State bloodlines? If you're an Ohio State assistant or Mark Pantone and Antoine Winfield is a recruit who has power five offers and his dad was one of the best defensive backs in Ohio State history, do you just take him? Like I, yeah, like I would. Kobe Bryant was small. And maybe Christian Bryant. Christian Bryant was a good player. He was not Antoine Winfield. But Christian Bryant was the captain of Ohio State's defense during some very important transitional years, and I think, like, Doug Maurice would die for him. Uh, you know, like, he was just, like, a great overall player. Um, do you take his brother? Like, I, I got, how far do you go? Yeah, I think I think in that case because it was like I I don't know what, what Kobe Bryant's offers were were other than Cincinnati, but Antoine Winfield Jr. was like clearly a power five caliber player. I think when you have a guy who's clearly a power five caliber player, I do think that lineage means a little something. Um, and it's like yeah, I mean like Sonny Styles is, is the same guy. He'd happen to be in the backyard. Um, I think Antoine and, and, Winfield's probably a more egregious, not egregious, a more interesting dynamic for that because Kobe Bryant's interests or I mean offers were Western Michigan, Buffalo, Eastern Michigan, Kent, Marshall, and then interests from Michigan State, who I think at the time was being led by Mark Antonio, oh. uh, who was very familiar with what was going on with that with that do you lineage. Mean, do you mean to tell me that Luke Fickle found an under recruited three star prospect? But like in Ohio we found him. Like it wasn't that was hard. <laughs> I'm not saying that Luke Fickle isn't a genius. Like and I would like write about that because like I'm going to go to dinner with Justin Williams, I think, tonight or tomorrow. And Good guy, I'm going to be Justin like, how much have you written about Kobe Bryant? And like, can I like write a first-person essay about seeing that freaking kid in person and like him looking like a, a middle schooler when he was in yeah. high school? I mean, here's his recruiting profile. five foot ten, 150 pounds. <laughs> 150 pounds is pretty small. He, and he camped at Ohio State, too, a couple times, I think. And I think it was just like he's not, he's not big enough. I bet Which you I could get Christian Bryant on the phone, write a nice little story about that. I guarantee you. Could. If he has, if he has a big pick in the in the, I'll do what Brendan Quinn does and like pre report, type it all out, and then just drop this monster on him. And if he has a big play in the in the playoff game, I remember specifically why Cincinnati's like plan is sustainable because that right there, do you think Trussell would have taken him? Yes. All it would have taken was. Was would be Ted Ginn Senior pointing to Tress saying, "Take that kid." Yep. Is Kobe Bryant good enough to play safety at Ohio State? Yeah, he he would if uh, would he be their best defensive back? Probably. Yeah, I mean he won the Thorpe Award, so yeah. like I mean that's embarrassing to even ask. Yeah, yeah, but you yeah. know, is he a first round draft pick? Uh, I don't think so. I think Sauce Gardner is a more highly regarded draft prospect than Kobe Bryant is. Yeah, but they're both really just, good. I want to look. I want to look at his like player profile. Okay, he's six foot one now and one hundred ninety eight pounds, Big which kid. may or may not be juiced. I don't know. Like, how much to trust a roster? But he what, looks like an uh, adult now. <laughs> what recruiting class was he in? 
Um, I think it was 17. Might have been 16. 17. I'm looking up uh, Dane Brugler's top 15 players by position for the NFL draft. Um, let's see. Cornerback. He has Sauce Gardner 6th, Kobe Bryant 12th. So, yeah, pretty high. Top Borderline top 10 player at his position for the draft. Can we just talk about the name Sauce for a minute, or like, are we just going to move on from that? Like, I just like think that's well, his so real badass. name. His real name is, is Ahmad, but I know, yeah. I know, but just like, it's and a great said, nickname. I saw uh, in uh, I think Justin wrote a story about Sauce Gardner, and he said like few people still call him Ahmad, but Luke Fickle is one of them. <laughs> I thought that was funny. My favorite thing about Sauce is that it's also in the same category as like juice. Yeah, like how many? I've got this. I got the sauce. I've got the juice. What are some other ones? I don't know. <laughs> I think there's, there's like are... five or six nicknames that are all kind of like in the same is vein. Ga- is gas one of them? Gas is one of them, but I also <laughs> think that's weed. <laughs> you got that gas? <laughs> Cheddar? Cheddar. Yeah. Cheddar Gardner would be a good name. Cheddar Gardner is actually a great name. Um, yeah. How do we get... Oh, did you answer my question? Can those guys I mean, Can those guys do anything to stop the, the Juice Man and Bryce Young combo? Sauce versus juice is what I want to see, though. <laughs> I think you're going to see it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. It's, like, funny to me. It's just like, oh, Georgia's defense didn't have the pieces necessarily in place to – weren't equipped to stop Alabama's offense, like, but, like, what Cincinnati does. Like, I guess they've well, got like two Georgia of the has, top 15 cornerbacks in the country. You know, Georgia has Kali Ringo, who's pretty good. They also have Darian Kendrick, who people think highly of, who I don't think is that good, the transfer from Clemson, um, who I think got – Toasted by Ohio State receivers when they played them, um, and then got toasted again by Jamison Williams. But Georgia doesn't have bad corners, but I think Cincinnati probably has better corners. Yeah, I mean it is crazy to think that Cincinnati has better corners than Georgia. Um, I don't know, man. I think that it's I think that it's going to be a blowout. I think that Alabama is going to win, but it's going to be close. Like 14 points close? Or do you mean like within a touchdown close? I think like it's going to be a good game within a touchdown close. Yeah. I think both I think both semifinals are going to be good games. But Alabama will still win. If Alabama wins by five, that would just suck. Like, I mean, like, yeah. honestly, if, if we got that close, group of fives in there, Bama isn't the Bama that they were a year ago. You got two potential top three round picks at corner. You got Des Ritter, get Ford at the running back position. They got a lot. They got a lot of nice little pieces. I don't know, man. It's a I lot. I just think it's going to be fifty six to ten. The thing that's hard is like, and I'm not going to pretend to be a Cincinnati expert. I've watched them in passing. I know a little bit about their more you know prominent players. The thing I don't have a feel for is. And what happens a lot in these matchups is like how much better is Alabama up front than Cincinnati? So I was going to say it's like in yeah. the third quarter when Cincinnati is coming out and like with six minutes left in the third quarter and Alabama's defensive line is just like fresh. Like these games, it's like you get the skill position players are are what they are, but like at a certain point, I think Alabama's just going to kick the shit out of them up front. Yeah, it's like oh oh they can't block Will Anderson. They okay. can't block anybody. Yeah <laughs> yeah okay. And it's like they might be able to block them for a quarter and a half. Yeah. Can they block them in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter? Probably not. 
All right, so let's keep bringing them in. They're going to keep bringing them in. They're going to keep bringing them in. Let's let's flip that to the other game then. The the uh, the game you'll be at. Or yeah, no, sorry. No, I'm the, going to this, the, the Cincinnati ar- game. the Orange Bowl. Yeah. The Orange Bowl. The Georgia Michigan. I wish I was going to the Georgia Michigan game. So do I. I do think Michigan can hold up up front against Georgia. I don't think Michigan's going to score. Really? I think Georgia, which sucked the life out of every team they played this year and made them feel hopeless, is going to do that to Michigan. I think think, Michigan is way closer to a middle-tier SEC team than they are to Alabama. I I don't think... I think it's entirely possible, if not perhaps likely, that Jordan Davis just like wrecks Michigan shit up front and Michigan can't run the ball. And if Michigan can't run the ball, I think that's all she wrote. Because I don't think Michigan's like, oh, we can't run. We'll just we'll just toss it around the yard for four quarters. Like I don't think that's going to work for them. Cade McNamara, and I'm going to say this slowly, was not forced to make a single throw in that entire Ohio State game. He made some throws. No, he was never were, in a position where they needed to rely on that man to make a play. Yes, correct. You think they're going to go to push Georgia around? I think Michigan's offensive line is very good um, and like deservedly won the Joe Moore Award. But part of that, too, is like, do I think they're very good because they're very good, or do I think they're very good because Ohio State's defensive line stinks and they pushed Ohio State's defensive line around? <laughs> Which could certainly... And probably if is. Michigan's in a position where they need to throw the ball, do you think they'll be able to do it against Georgia's defense? No. And if that happens, are they going to score? No. Everything I said before the Michigan game, the Ohio State-Michigan game about we'll see where they play Georgia, Like I still think that. I think Michigan is a above-average team. I don't think they're great. I think they hit Ohio State at the perfect time. They nailed them. They were more motivated. They beat the crap out of them physically. Everything that they did to, do to win the Big Ten is, is deserved. I still see the same Michigan team that farted around through the Big Ten for half their schedule, lost to Michigan State, and is basically Wisconsin of the East. Like, I don't know if I'm on the same. Like, they have top-level players. Like, is Dax Hill he might not even be playing too, right? Uh, I think at so, the time like, that we're like recording rumor? this, at the time that we're recording this, which is uh, just about 4 p.m. on Wednesday, I don't think anyone knows if he's in Miami yet. I don't even. What's going on? What? Well, I think there's some stuff. Like I think uh, like George Pickens got there late. I think there's like some protocol stuff going on where they couldn't travel with the team initially. Okay. I would lay the points. Seven and, and a I half. think I think majority of the majority of the bets are going Michigan's way. You know what? And like, listen, if if Michigan goes out there and beats Georgia, then I will come on the podcast the next time we record and just say I was wrong. They're much better than I think they were. But like, I don't know that them beating Ohio State has shifted the way I view them. I think they're above average, hard nosed team that like playing with each other. I don't know if the happy, slappy, we love each other, everybody love everything crap, everybody love everybody crap, is going to work against Georgia's defense. And it's just like I also think too that. You have to put yourself back into the same mind frame of what we thought about Georgia for the majority of the year. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, are they closer to that? Or are they the team that got their doors blown off by Alabama? And it's just like Alabama has a really funny way of changing your perception of a team. Yep. But what do you think the spread would have been if Georgia were playing Michigan in mid-November before that game started? I think it would have been like 16 points or something. Yeah, at least two touchdowns. Yeah. So 
I don't know, maybe you don't don't play it right away. Maybe Michigan scores quickly or something happens or there's a turnover and then you can – because Stetson Bennett, like that's the other thing too. It's just like Georgia's offense isn't very good either. And it's not. Michigan's got a very, very good defensive line and maybe the best player in college football. So like I could see Georgia struggling to score, but I like I think this game's like twenty four to ten. Like the that type of game. The total and the is over 45. under forty five. Yeah, forty five and a half. Like I would yeah. hit the under, like on that. I think I would too. Like thirty one um, to ten, and that would be a complete blowout. Maybe maybe twenty four seventeen. You know, the the spread is tricky. I just don't think that Michigan's gonna win. I again made these picks at the beginning of the month when I was like very much feeling Michigan. So I picked Michigan and I'll stick with it. But the more I've thought about it, I'm kind of on the same level that you are. Um, How are they going to score? It's 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 their offensive line. If they can if they can move Georgia, which I if they How can't, much better is Georgia's defensive line than Ohio State's, do you think? Like is it like multiple galaxies or to the edge of the entire existence of the universe? Which one of those is bigger? The second one? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. All I know is I watched this YouTube video uh, with a friend who has uh, who's like has a fascination with space, and it shows you like how big planet Earth is, and then there's like a, a projector. I mean, a conveyor belt on the video, and it's like Earth starts here, and it's like this big marble, and it keeps going, and then it shows you how big all the other planets are. Oh yeah, and it goes for like 25 minutes, and then like earth isn't even a speck of sand in the universe like it's like so small that it's the most insignificant planet and the it's like things are like 17 million light years away like like try to fathom how far away things it would take 17 million light years for light or for light to get to the dust like how far away that is i think jordan davis is like somewhere out there (laughs) (laughs) he's also the size of a rather large planet yeah so no, I think I think you're probably. Yeah, it right. actually is, and I'm going to say this right now too. I'm not like a tinfoil hat like alien person, but if you don't believe in aliens, it's like the most arrogant thing in the world to not think that. Like to think that like we, the human people, are the only existence of life in a universe that there the are side, planets yeah. 17 million light years away. Right. Like we're the we're so special. Like we're the only one, only things out there and i'm sorry this is a weird podcast guys if you don't get the shtick by now you don't but like think about think about that the, it would take 17 million years for light to travel to the other planet that we're talking about how f- it's like it's so far you can't even compute it and like along the way there's no flying j yeah there's definitely a flying j nice uh nice pie under the heat lamp Flying J Pipe. I don't know. I was alive for the Phoenix Lights, so maybe I'm like, uh, maybe I'm a little out there. That shit was happening when I was a kid, and I remember <laughs> it vividly. And it wasn't a military vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> We're learning a lot. We're learning a lot. Um, anyway. I'm not an alien person, but I do think that it does blow my mind how far away things are, though. Yeah. That light because uh, those are scientific facts. That's not like unsolved mystery shit. Like that's actually how big the universe is. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm picking Michigan and don't feel great about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Right. Like seven and a half is a tricky spread. Yeah. Like if the final score was twenty four to seventeen Georgia, you would lose your bet. Um, but I also think too that like, I wonder if there's going to be any Georgia quarterback grab ass. Yeah, Kirby said like JT Daniels might play right. Yeah, and like you start get playing some grab ass, 
I mean, Michigan plays quarterback grab ass. They put J.J. McCarthy in there. I know, but Michigan seems to have a plan with it. What if what if Jim Harbaugh and Kirby Smart each get a wild hair up their ass and decide to each play their better quarterback in this game? It then has to be happens? at halftime. Now, what I want to have happen is Georgia. Listen, I'm in the recruiting columns that I write. I always get accused of hating everybody, you know, in Michigan mostly because I'm a realist about the rivalry and covered Ohio State, so it's a very easy. But like, I get accused of hating Georgia too. I think if Georgia beat Michigan and then played Alabama in the national championship game, the first half of the game went terribly, and then they benched Stetson Bennett for JT Daniels at halftime, and then Daniels came in and rocked shit, and they won the game, that would be the greatest thing in the world. Like, if they, like, returned the two a favor. It'd be a pretty great narrative, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know how good JT Daniels is. I don't either. Like, But I know Stetson Bennett is athletically limited. Yeah, Stetson Bennett is Matt McGloin. Um, Go down Michigan. the list of quarterbacks that won the national championship in the last five years and then put Cade McNamara and uh, Stetson Bennett next to him and then tell me which ones didn't match. Yeah, so Mac Jones, um, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Tua, uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Deshaun Watson, right? Yeah, I think so. I think and I'm then, missing somebody. And then before that, it was like Alabama was winning with like Plummer as a quarterback. So the last five are NFL starters. Yeah, are we missing one in there? I think that's right. 20, 20 was Alabama with Mac Jones. 19 was LSU with Joe Burrow. 18 was Clemson with Trevor Lawrence. 17 was the Tua, Tua Save Us Alabama year. 16, yeah. 16 was Deshaun Watson. 2015 was God knows who for Alabama. Jake Coker. I think it was... Yeah, I can't even remember that far. And then four, 14 was everyone's boy, Cardale. Yeah. And then 13 was Jameis. Hurts, too, and two. And Jalen Hurts was the guy who got benched, who's also an NFL starter. <clears throat> Go Birds. Uh, so, did you like that, that Instagram post of my daughter watching the Eagles? It's great. It made my heart so warm. Yeah. yeah. Go Birds. Okay. That was kind of a scatterbrained episode. I, I'm sorry. I can I ask you going, one thing before? I, like, just, can I say it before you ask me this question? Yeah, go ahead. Alabama and Georgia are the two most talented teams in college football. They will be in the championship. <laughs> okay, I got Alabama versus Michigan. Um, Michigan loses. Michigan loses. I don't think that means much for Ohio State, or at least we're not in a much different position than we already are because Michigan beat Ohio State. Let's entertain a world where Michigan wins, beats Georgia. How much different does that make it? And Obviously, if Michigan were to somehow win a national championship, where does that leave the rivalry in your mind? I think that Michigan winning the national championship is the biggest thing that could change things. I don't know if there's much of a difference between losing in the first round and losing in the second round. Yeah, I think that's right. I, th I think that people remember the national champions, but they don't remember the semis. Yep, and that's fair. And I also think, too, like you were asked a question about this in your recruiting mailbag this week. Like, is Michigan closing the gap? And I saw the question and I laughed um, because, like, in 2019, Michigan had a better recruiting class than Ohio State. In 2020, it was more or less the same. In the last two years, it's been like it's gotten wider. It hasn't gotten closer. Um, People are just excited, man. I mean, yeah, be yeah. excited too. I they know. deserve it. You know, I feel like I feel just, like I feel like Michigan fans are flying a little too close to the sun, but I get it. You know, you want to you want to do it. I mean, I would too. Let's be honest for sure. But yeah. the other the, the thing I was getting to, and maybe it's different. It probably maybe it could be worth exploring in a story. Maybe, maybe this is different now in the world with the transfer portal, and you can more you can add. 
ready players more immediately to your roster. But even Urban Meyer said it after Ohio State won the national title. Like, you don't really feel the bump of that until, like, two years down the road. And Ohio State didn't feel it until, like, its 2017 recruiting class. So yeah. even if even if Michigan were to win the national title, it changes, a t- it changes all the talking points, certainly, in the rivalry. But I'm not so sure it changes the talent discrepancy on the field for the next year or two. I do find it interesting that this playoff field has two teams that are playing in it who are, granted, underdogs that could vastly be a thorn in Ohio State's side if they happen to win it all. Yeah. It's like if Alabama or Georgia win it, it's like, okay, it's like removed. It's a different city. I mean, it's a different area of the country. It's a different conference. You just like Alabama won the championship. Okay, we'll just keep living in the same world that we've been living in. But like if Cincinnati won it somehow or Michigan won it somehow, like that's something that like Ohio State still talks about its 14 championship. Like mm-hmm. if Michigan wins a national title this year, like that, I think changes the talking points for six, seven years. Yeah, like, and also think about too, like for the guys that are getting recruited, twenty fourteen's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, no, I know they were in middle school. <laughs> yeah, so I don't. Ohio State is always Ohio State, but that and like might, they also get to see them playing on that stage every year. Yeah. And it's just like, if you go back and you look at it, and it'd be an interesting story for a Michigan person, but like how many one-off teams made it to the playoff over the years? Like Washington didn't see a major uptick in their recruiting results because they went to the playoff that one year. Who else? Who were the other one-offs? Uh, like Notre Dame, Notre Dame has State. been to the playoff more than anybody outside of Oklahoma, right? You know, Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State, and they their recruiting has been a straight line. Yeah, um, and I also think, too, like, like I feel like Michigan State's like a little bit of a cautionary tale because they got there. And then they got their doors blown off. And I felt like they started recruiting in a way that maybe they shouldn't have tried to recruit. And then things got out of Everything fell. Yeah. 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 Also, we're – and I also, too, wonder if there – and there's this, too. And I don't think Michigan's in danger of this, but I think it could happen. Going to the playoff and then getting your doors blown off is almost worse than not going, I think. Because everybody's watching you, and the gap between you and them is so abundantly clear, and yeah. I think that people notice that. And maybe that's is that is that wrong? You think? But it's just like Oklahoma has that. recruited in the top ten every year, and until the twenty twenty three class, ironically, that Lincoln Riley was putting together before he left, they were recruiting fine classes. They've got a few five stars coming in. They got some offensive skill. Their classes are nowhere near Georgia's. But if you go back and you look at the question that the person asked, part of the question was, is Michigan closing the gap on Ohio State? Which I answered because people don't understand the average player ranking thing. Mm-hmm. And the average player ranking thing is like the gap between them is monstrous. Yes. So the average player in Ohio State's class ranks like number 110. And the average player ranking of Michigan players like 300. So yeah. like it's like it is massive from top to bottom. But the point I want to make is, the second part of the question was, do you believe that they are starting to slip a little bit from the top three? And it's like, I know that Texas A&M, and, and maybe we should do a recruiting episode soon because I think there's a lot to unpack here. Yep. But Michigan, Texas A&M is going to sign the greatest class of all time because of all that NIL money. I'm just playing into the game. <laughs> I think it's great. Um, do you worry that they're falling a little bit behind Because, like, listen, dude, and this might be a nice, like, sitcom, you know, to be continued pod. 
their 2023 class to be a top three class, it's going to be a lot harder than it's been in the past. And if you go back and you look at their recruiting classes for the since 2018, Ohio State has had a five-star prospect from the state of Ohio in their class. Guess what does not exist in the 2022 class? And I understand for 23 class before you, Sonny Styles reclassified. I get it. He's in the program. Were you? Was that what you were going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, their 2022 class got the bump because without him, I don't think they have a five-star prospect from Ohio in this class. So one of these classes wasn't going to have one. CJ Hicks. Oh, CJ Hicks. I'm a moron. Okay. So I guess if he's in the... I, I guess if he's in the class, then, you know, you don't you don't view it that way because he's in the program. That's all you care about. But if Ohio State signs the top three class in 2023, it's going to be a lot harder. Ohio's Ohio's shallow. Um, Cincinnati and Michigan and stuff aren't going to be a factor, but there isn't a lot of in-state talent that's going to prop, prop you up. It's harder to recruit in L.A. It's harder to recruit in Texas, and it's harder to recruit in Florida right now. Billy Napier and Mario Cristobal deserve the respect of of being better recruiters than were in place and let's be honest the recruiters that were in place weren't very good so i like i'm very curious to see like where ohio state emphasizes their next territories if they rejigger their plan based on lincoln riley's existence and jimbo fisher you know and again ohio state probably wasn't spending much time in houston anyway but like dallas area and some of the middle Mm. middle country texas prospects that they've gone after does that change with sark and cristobal Sorry, not Cristobal, Venables, because like it's like you add an extra brand name, like you add Lincoln Riley to the West Coast, you put Venables at Oklahoma, and it's like Mario Cristobal's at Miami, and it's like the entire country's got full coverage of brand name coaches now. And it's just like, how is Ohio State's national recruiting plan going to look this cycle, um, and will they sign a top five class, I think is a very interesting thing to dive into. Yes, I think the shifting national landscape combined with the increasingly cyclical nature with which the state of Ohio produces top end talent puts Ohio state in a very interesting position moving forward. The last time they haven't had a hat, regardless of the circumstance, the last time they haven't had a five-star prospect in their class was 2018. And that was Jalen Gill. And he was a four-star prospect that was like right on the edge of five-star status. So like, I don't know when the last true class was without one. I think this doesn't have one. There are, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll we'll put a pin on that, obviously, because that is a that is a big like a big. There's no Jack Sawyer though. Yes, there. That's a big, wide ranging discussion that I think like might be able to basically be our entire month of January. um, Is like digging into Ohio, digging into the national picture, where they're going to go, what's changing, where it could be more difficult, like all that stuff. Um, So we'll and like the thing that we said we weren't going to do. Which is, it's Ohio State. It will be fine. When you look at it, it might not be. Yeah. And I think it's important to dissect it. Maybe it will. It probably will. It's worth exploring But I think way. we should explore it from the way of just like, it's not, it's going to be hard. The mere act of exploring it doesn't mean that Ohio State all of a sudden is going to fall off. But I think it's worth diving into. Yeah. For sure. I think it's fascinating. Um, all right. Well, we'll end there. Uh, Ohio State, Utah, Rose Bowl, Saturday, 5 o'clock. Um We'll come back with the show. I don't know if we'll be immediately after that, but we'll obviously talk a little bit about whatever happens in that game the next time we guys talk to you. And then, you know, that recruiting talk, we just tease there at the end. We'll, we'll dive much more into that um, in the coming weeks as well. So There are aliens. There are aliens. Thank you uh, for listening. This is, I guess, like our last show of the season. 
Um, so thank you guys so much for, for hanging with us throughout the year. I know it wasn't the year that you guys all envisioned, but, um, you know, our podcast did pretty well, you know, despite, you know, the good, the good news is that when shit goes wrong on the field, discussion points are more interesting off of it. So hopefully as a result of some of the pain that we've endured as people, as big Ohio state guys, that's right. Go bucks, go bucks. The content from the off season will be more fun. And that'll give you something to enjoy. So for like what Bill just said, like we really appreciate you guys. And I know it kind of goes off wonky uh, directions sometimes. I'm sorry about the alien rant. I'm sorry about the in and out rant. I know that we sometimes blab about things that only 1% of you guys feel and you have to endure that. Like we are aware of our shortcomings, but for the most part, truly thankful for every one of you. Um, the reviews, not reviews. If you listen and you enjoy it, we appreciate you. And if you listen and you hate it, we appreciate you. So I'll shut up now, uh, but thanks. It really means the world to both of us. Yeah, I'll just say thanks again. Happy New Year. Enjoy the Rose Bowl. We'll talk to you guys next week.